And it's a couple of days to breakthrough festival. Awesome. Awesome. Hallelujah. All right. So today I'm starting a discourse and I'm going to do that all through um, the month of December um, on what I've titled Turn Around Catalyst. Turn Around Catalyst. God's prophetic word and promise to us in this season, the month of October to the month of December, right? He has said to us that it is a turnaround season. In Psalms 126 and verse 1 to 3, it says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, he says, We're like them that dream. By now, everybody should know that scripture. So let's read it together. One to go. When the Lord turned again the captivity, give us in King James. Uh, I'm still very. <laughs> Praise God. All right, can we read together one to go? When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we're like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are off. We are glad. So this is God's word, prophetic word to us for this season. The month of October to the month of December. He has said it is our turnaround season. And I pray for you that in the remaining days of this year, you will experience that promised turnaround. This year will not end without your promised turnaround testimony. In the name of Jesus. I want us to understand, I said this, you know, um, the first week of our seven prophetic turnaround Sundays, that the turnaround is not a matter of if. That's why it says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. It didn't say, if the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. So it's not a matter of probability. It's a matter of certainty. Somebody say certainty. Oh, you're not saying it like you mean it. Say certainty. I want you to repeat after me. Say, my turn around in the remaining days of this year and beyond. It's not a matter of probability. But it is a matter of certainty. You see, I don't want us to understand something this morning that when God gives a prophetic word for his season, it doesn't end in that season. I hear what I'm saying. It can outlast you. It can last for as long as you hold on to that promise. But when God says that in a specific season, this is what you should expect. You better expect it. Because the thing about God is God does not make a promise. He now tries to figure out how to make it happen. When God makes a promise, when he gives a prophetic word, it's because everything that is required spiritually to make that word become a reality has already been made available. However, the reason why I want to talk about this all through the remaining days of this year, you know, every Sunday in this year, is because there are things that you and I must do to experience that turnaround. And that's what I call turnaround catalysts. That's why you see that oftentimes when there is a prophetic word for the year, for the quarter, for a season. The sad fact is that many people hear the word, but very few people manifest that word. And it is not because God is not able to bring the word to pass in every life. It is because oftentimes people don't play their own role in the activation of that prophetic word. For instance... The Bible says concerning Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, God said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. You see, gave him that promise in Genesis 12. You, don't, you see that between verse 1 and verse 3. But it was until I think 22 that God said, because you have done this 
in blessing, I will bless you. So it simply means that even though God made the promise, there was something Abraham needed to do in order for that prophetic promise to become a reality. That's why you see that when Elijah told Ahab that rain was coming after months and years of famine, Ahab went to celebrate, but Elijah went to pray. Elijah did something for that promise from God to become a reality. If Elijah had also gone celebrating like Ahab, that promise would never have come to pass and it would seem as if God was a liar. I pray for you that in the remaining days of this year, nobody will look at your life and think God is a liar. Nobody will look at you and ask, where is your God? But people will see you and say, take me to your God. That will be your reality. That will be your testimony. In the name of Jesus. So there is a what to do. If you are a science student, you understand what catalyst is. Not that science student. You understand the science student I'm talking about. Everybody here is old enough to remember that science student. You know it, right? We are in the church of God, be spiritual. (laughs) A catalyst is a substance... That increases the rate of a chemical reaction. This is how the dictionary defines it. Without itself undergoing any permanent chemical change. I'm going to say that again. A catalyst is a substance that increases the rate of a chemical reaction without itself undergoing any permanent chemical change. What that simply means is that a catalyst is something you introduce into an equation. And it causes something to happen faster. So it simply means that for everything God promises us, for every of God's promise, for every prophetic word, there are catalysts you must introduce into that equation. One of such catalysts, which you're already familiar with, so I'm not going to spend more time on it this morning, is prayer and fasting. Whatever God promises you, you must turn it to a prayer point. I hear what I'm saying. You don't just hear a prophetic word for a season and say, oh, Father, I thank you. Awesome. Turn around season. And you go eating and drinking like Ahab. No. When you hear a prophetic word, you go into the place of prayers. And you insist. You know why? Because when God makes that promise, the devil also had that promise. And the Bible says in John 10 and verse 10, it says the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. What does he come to steal? You think he's coming to steal your TV? No. He's coming to steal the word. Because inherent in the world is the capacity to produce anything God says. The devil is so smart. I think I was still saying it this point at home training. You see, the devil is not as stupid as many believers think. He's strategic. He's very smart. So he knows that if you want to steal a forest, steal a seed. He won't wait till a seed becomes a forest. He will now try to cut down the tree. That's too much work. When that forest is still in seed form, steal it. Steal it through doubt. Steal it through unbelief. Steal it through forgetfulness. It is very difficult for something to materialize in your life if you have forgotten what was promised you in the first place. For instance, if I promise you, even in the presence of everyone, I say after service, Mr. Lauren Femi, it's not a promise, it's an illustration. <laughs> After the service, I'm going to give you a millionaire check. I already said this. <laughs> and after the service, because, you know, it's in service operations, it's busy, it's doing so many things, and he forgets. Will he get the check? 
Is the check available? Why didn't he get it? Because he forgot. That is the same thing that happens to many believers. We hear the word. We are excited when we hear the word. Fantastic. It's my season of increase. My glory days are here. But after the excitement, we forget what we're excited about. Because in the place of remembrance comes the strength to insist on what God has promised. Because when someone promises you something and you remember, you will be in a constant state of expectation. But this thing was promised me. Where is it? I've not received it. But you see, when you forget, you don't place a demand on what has been promised. And that's why God is saying this is a turnaround season. The question is, what are the things that I must do? Or what are the things that I can do to ensure that this turnaround becomes my reality? I remember, I said to us that there are certain things God wants to turn around. Number one, I said he wants to turn around our work. Because your work is very important to God. See, <laughs> the first thing God gave to Adam, meaning mankind, was work. Work is not an optional chore. Work is a life essential. Your work is a spiritual engagement. It's not just a place you go to for survival purposes. No, don't get it wrong. Adam didn't have to survive, yet God gave him responsibilities. The first thing before he gave him a relationship, he gave him work. He gave him responsibility. And the Bible says at the cool of the day, every day, God will come to visit Adam question what do you think they were talking about i believe it must have been about what he did during the day it must have been part of what they discussed so adam what did you do today just like in a normal functioning home when you get home the average question or you know common question everybody hears is how was what how was your day so your work is important to god that's why you say any serious minded adult when your work is affected you are affected yes or yes there is no serious-minded adult who graduates who has been out of work for a while and is not concerned when they are not productively engaged. And that's why God wants to turn around your work. We see that in the life of Peter. He had told all night, it cuts nothing. Jesus would have just told him, follow me. But Jesus made sure he turned that thing around before he called him. As I've always told us, be careful of people who would say, after everything has failed, that's when God is now calling them. No. You must leave something behind. That's why it is a call. Peter said, we have left all. God does not destroy people's work to call them. That is the work of the devil. When you are living in disobedience, the devil will have access. But it is not God is doing the destruction. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God has destroyed the work of man. It must be that he's calling me in ministry. Where is the parallel to that in scriptures? You hear what I'm saying? There's a parallel to that. There's no precedence. Number two, God wants to turn around your finances. In the remaining days of this year and as we prepare for the year 2024, please understand God wants to turn around your finances. God does not want his children to be in constant need. Especially basic need. And see, let nobody kid you. God is concerned about meeting your needs. I hear what I'm saying. Philippians 4.19 It says, but my God shall supply all my needs 
The Lord shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So he's interested in your need. Some people think that, you know, when they are talking to God about their need, hey, God is not interested. But when they start talking about, you know, souls that are lost in Asia, lost in, ah, God is not saying, yes, 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 my son, that's what I want to hear. There is no responsible father that behaves like that. No responsible father. And God is a father, a responsible one at that. So God is concerned about your need. Oh, he is concerned. And your finances plays a major role in your life. Don't lie to yourself. Many of what people pray about, if you summarize it, it has to do with finances. Yes or yes? But you know, sometimes people pretend in public what they are praying for in private. That's why I pray for you that in the remaining days of this year, God will turn your finances around. The things you lack this year, by this time next year, you'll be able to afford much more. What you are receiving from others, by this time next year, you will be giving it out. In the name of Jesus. If you believe it, say a very big amen. amen. In the remaining days of this year and in the year 2024, God wants to turn your family around. Your family. Your family. Many people, if they are given the option, they will not come from the family where they came from. And let me tell you this, you can be the one to rewrite the story of that family. I hear what I'm saying. There's a couple of things I want to say about that, but I'll talk about it next week because of time. Because we are here to thank God and to celebrate him. Right? How many of us are ready to thank God? Alright. You know, the Thanksgiving session we're going to be doing monthly. January people will come out first. So we are not in a hurry. If God has kept you all through the year, one day is not too much to thank him. And the January people, they will dance. So today is work for embassy. I hope you guys have eaten. <laughs> We have not eaten. Let them go and buy energy drink for you now. Be taking. We are free. <laughs> After January comes out, February we come out. When they dance, it's not that you just come out. I will be a police today. If you don't dance, we send you back. Uh, even if you don't know how to dance, just shake, shake body, shake body. <laughs> At least let God see that you are grateful. It's amazing how people say they can't dance in church, but when they are at parties, you be away. <laughs> Is that the name these guys use? <laughs> the first turn around catalyst is desire somebody say desire. desire God cannot do in your life what you don't desire that you will do in your life and you see one of the things the devil the reason why the devil allows contradiction in our lives is to make sure you get to the point where you stop desiring what God promised you see let me tell you this when God promises you something or you know something is supposed to happen in your life and it has not happened in a long time, what the devil is after is your desire. Because the moment you stop desiring it, you shut the door for that thing to happen in your life. So, before you know it, you become critical of that thing. Somebody understand what I'm talking about? Maybe you're trusting God for a job. You know, guess what? You know that you are not a business person. You know, some people are wired to be in career. Now say, see, maybe job work is not for everybody. You are now excusing away what was once a desire. That's what the devil is after. It is almost impossible for God to lift you beyond your level of desire. Never forget that. So when God gives you a prophetic word for a season, the first thing you must do to catalyze the fulfillment of that promise is you turn it into a desire. You form a mental image. You ensure that you are in a constant state of expectation of that which God has promised. 
And that's why you must define, as an individual, you must define, what is the turnaround I'm expecting in this season? What is that turnaround? For someone, it may be a change of job. For someone, it may be a change of status. For someone, it may be a change in your finances. For someone, it may be, um, you know, changing geographical location. Maybe changing accommodation. Whatever it is, you must define it. Because that is what we form the picture that you are going to be expecting. The Bible tells us about a man by the name of Lazarus. In Luke chapter 16, if you can have it on the screen very quickly. Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 21. Luke chapter 16, verse 19 to 21. Please, I want us to listen to this before we read it. Hmm? Or maybe I'll say it after we read it. Let's go. To, maybe we'll read it to verse 23, all right? Can we read together out loud once to go? There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and feared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And what? And what? desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked the sauce. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. And the, the rich man also died and he was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. It is believed we know, right? Abraham is in heaven, right? It simply means you may suffer on earth and go to heaven. It is not God that determines your experience on the earth. You hear what I just said? He desired crumbs and that was what he got. So on this earth, you may be packaged and prepared for heaven, but you may suffer through your existence on the earth. That's why I've had a couple of people say things like, you know, as a church, every Sunday should be talking about, you know, spiritually minded things. Heaven is our goal. Heaven is my destination. Heaven is good. But God has not called me. Maybe other places, God has called them to do that. And they are doing their work. But in the gateway church, God has not just called us to raise people going to heaven. He has called us to raise people who will live a good life on earth while they are on their way to heaven. I prefer that life. Not the life that you know a lot of people are even desiring to die early because the suffering is too much. When it says that with long life, I will satisfy you. Long life. Long life. But many people are just God, let me just die. Because there is nothing here. <laughs> See, I was having a conversation, you know, with um one of our ministers during towards the election. I was talking about the fact that I hope there won't be so much violence and everything in this election. I said, Pastor, there can be no violence. I said, why? He said, all those people that used to create chaos, that used to kill themselves, he said, all of them, they are now rich men. He said, they now have houses, they now show the properties in Lekki. He said, it is poor people that want to die anyhow. A rich man does not want to die. And of a truth, the violence that we expected was not as it used to be. Why? Because it's when you have nothing to live for that you just live your life anyhow. Having a conversation with a friend of a friend, you know, <laughs> a couple of months ago. And the guy said, ah, in English, it simply means I'm using myself carefully. He said, because I'm now rich. He said, so I'm using, 
It's when you have nothing to live for, you'll be using your life anyhow. You can just die and nobody misses you. That's why you say, when the poor die, when the rich die, you know, it's always different. You see the obituary of a poor man, it's a painful exit. <laughs> a rich man is a call to glory. <laughs> because it's from glory to glory. <laughs> when you are departing this earth, may be a, a glorious exit. And yours will not be a painful exit. Haven't you seen the burial of poor people? How people cry? Roll on the floor, almost want to enter the grave. But you see the burial of a rich man. Everybody's dancing. Because that set has been left behind. May you leave something behind. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> so it begins with desire. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 2 to 10. Oh, it's just joining on you guys. You've not noticed. <laughs> Acts chapter 3 and verse 2 to 10. Acts chapter 3 and verse 2 to 10. I'll try to do 2 or 3 this morning. And um, we'll call it a day and give thanks to God. Acts chapter 3 verse 2 to 10. The Bible says, And a certain man limb from his mother's womb was carried. When the womb delayed daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask arms of them that entered into the temple, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave it unto them. Expecting what? To receive something of them. So that guy was not just healed. The Bible says, then Peter said, Silver and gold I have none. He says, but such as I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand. The story, we know the story. The guy started walking. Why? Because he expected to receive something. What are you expecting in the remaining days of this year? I didn't say what is happening in the economy. I didn't say what happened as a result of subsidiary mover. I'm saying you, what do you expect? What do you desire? Ask the person sitting next to you, what do you desire? No, ask them very well. Say, what do you desire? Ask them, are you even desiring anything? See, some people have gotten to a level, don't worry, you can bring it. Thank you for being proactive. Mm. Let's celebrate the thing. All right. It is a terrible thing to be in a place in life where you have lost your desire. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. And I would like to tell us this morning, don't let life beat you into submission. Do you understand what I just said? A place where you are not even expecting anything. Well, oh my dear, no, it go better. The people who have such statements, it doesn't get better. Life does not get better because you are just saying it will get better. It will get better when you desire that it must get better. Number two is high praises. See, thanksgiving is a catalyst. It's an unusual catalyst for a turnaround. There is no one who is given to a lifestyle of gratitude, either to God or man, that stays on the same spot. The thing about gratitude is it makes you attractive. It is a makeup in the realm of the spirit. It makes you attractive. When you are grateful. No matter the mountain standing before you, when you are a grateful person, God will tell you, sit down, let me fight the battle. We see that in Second Chronicles chapter 20. 
The Bible says that an enemy nation came to us. Next week, we'll read that passage of scripture. Because of time, I don't want us to go into it um, today. Three nations came to fight the people of God. It was practically impossible for them to win their battle. And God gave them an instruction. You see, the Bible says the things that were written before time, they were written for our learning. So that we don't need God to tell us again what God told them that worked for them. We just need to do it now. You don't need to be waiting. God, should I praise you? No. You don't need to ask. Some people praise him. Certain things happen. You do it, same thing will happen. He sent a prophet to them that they should appoint singers. Instead of warriors being in front, he said, let the singers be in front. The Bible says, as they began to praise God, God set ambushment against the enemy. Did you see that? Verse 22. Thank you for that. And when they began to sing, and to do what? Because it is possible to be singing and not be praising. Do you understand? You can praise God through singing and through your words. Some people are simply singing. They don't praise. That's why there are some songs that are warfare songs. They are not praise songs. That's, you are not praising God. That's a warfare song. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can't be singing that on a Sunday morning during praise and worship. Embassy, we even never tried that. You just say that the mic goes off. <laughs> praise God. You can sing those kind of songs when you are praying in warfare. There's a place for that. But that is not praising. Praising is you acknowledging God for who He is in your life. You see, when you are praising God, you will mention the things he has done. That's how people came up with names for God. Jehovah Rapha, Helion, all those things. It's people praising him, acknowledging that if you did that, you will do this. The Bible says, as they began to praise, the Lord sent ambushment against the children of us. So look at the word. It says, as they began. So it simply means God was waiting to act. So when they began to praise, God also decided to set the ambushment. If they had not started the praise, it would do nothing. So there are certain things today that as we praise God, God will begin to do. You don't need to know God is doing it. Because the Bible did not say that as they began to praise, they were hearing the people killing themselves. Because that was what happened. The Bible says that they began to kill each other. So the children of Israel didn't hear that a battle was going on. They just got to where they were supposed to fight the battle and they realized the battle had been won. So when you are praising God, you may think nothing is happening, but something is happening. When they stood before the Jericho wall and God told them, go around it seven times, one day, uh, once every day for six days. On the seventh day, he said, go around it seven times. It was not around the village God told them to go around it. Oh, it was not a village God told them to go around. It was a city. So it means God wanted them to exhaust their energy. Because after you have walked around the city seven times in one day, you now want to go and fight battle. Where will you get the strength? God wanted to make it obvious that it's your praise that will win this thing, not your energy. He said, when you do that the seventh time, shout. The Bible says, and as they began to shout, the walls came down. I don't know what that wall is, but as you praise God today, the walls will come down. In the name of Jesus. And isn't it amusing that the first day, see, sometimes when you are praising God in the midst of contradiction, you may not see things that we encourage you to keep praising. Because the Bible never told us that the first day when they saw it, they saw cracks on Jericho wall. If they had done that, they would have put him on energy. Eh? The wall is breaking. There was no sign anything was happening. So it may seem as if there is no sign that anything is happening. But look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, something is happening. That's why we don't live by what we see. We live by faith. 
We live by faith. You don't need to see, but from the scriptures, we understand that the moment we begin to praise, God has set something in motion. And that's how he's going to set something in motion over your life, over your family, over your finances, over your career. In that place where you have failed, in the remaining days of this year, you will succeed. Someone that has been rejected, they will call you back before the end of this year. In the name of Jesus. I decree and I declare where you have had, they know they will call you to apologize and say what we meant was a yes. In the name of Jesus, that place where they said there is no opening, somebody will get a job in that same place. Peter told all night in the same place, it caught nothing. And in that same place, when Jesus came into the equation, the Bible says he told him, Launch to the right time, and he caught a multitude of fishes. I decree and I declare in every place you have failed, begin to succeed begin to do well where you are broken down begin to break through where you have been rejected let the doors open to you if you believe it say very big amen the last but not the least for this morning is intercession somebody say intercession oh I can't hear you say intercession as people of faith we need to understand that one of our cardinal responsibility is the responsibility of intercession some things will not happen for you when you are praying about it. But they will happen when you start praying for others. I hear what I'm saying. It's a catalyst. And we are going to practice that this morning. Job chapter 42 and verse 10. Job 42 and verse 10. This one we need to see it. Job chapter 42 and verse 10. Can we read it together? Before you read it, clear your throat. <laughs> Like OBG. <clears throat> Are we ready? Are we ready? Want to go read it out loud. And the Lord turned again the captivity of Job. When he did what? When he prayed for himself. When he prayed for his children. When did the Lord turn around his captivity? When he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Intercession is a turnaround catalyst. There are times you have been praying about certain things for yourself. And it seems as if it has not happened. Leave it. Start praying for others. It is against human nature. Because human nature is selfish. Ah, I should go and be facing other people's business when my own has not been sorted. You may stay with your own and it will never be sorted. But when you take your eyes off yourself and you put it on others, especially the people of your faith, of your faith community. That's why the Bible says to do good to them of the household of faith. When you begin to do that, God, you see, you think God has forgotten. He has not. That's why, you see, Abraham understood this. When God told him he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham began to intercede. He said, God, what if you find 50 people? God said, I won't destroy it. He said, God, I'm sorry. A man should not be talking to God. What if you find 40? God said, I won't destroy it. 30, I won't destroy it. What about 20? I won't destroy it. What about 10? I won't destroy it. It was when Abraham kept quiet that God went ahead with his agenda. Maybe if Abraham had said, God, what if you don't find any? Will you show them your mercy? Maybe God wouldn't have done it. Because it was even risky to say, what if you find one? If he had assumed that Lot was righteous because it was not. It wasn't. There was never any mention that Lot raised an altar to God. When the angels came, he wanted to entertain his, the people in the city with his daughters. 
Is that a righteous man? I said, ah, no, leave the men. Let me give you my daughters. No man, they are virgins. Do with them as you please. So I strongly believe if Abraham had kept on interceding, God would have done something. That's one of the secrets of Moses. Many times when the children of Israel will mess up and God will want to say, no, 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 no. What I promised to do, I will do it through their children, not this generation. And Moses will intercede and God will reverse the order. We must learn to intercede for souls to be saved and established. Don't only see, when you are interceding, you are praying for others, their needs, and not yours. Intercession is focusing on the needs of others in prayers. When all your own needs have not been met, intercession is you asking God to do for others. Sometimes, what you need him to do for you or someone closer to you. Intercession is praying for others whom you may never know. Or it is also praying for others who may never know you prayed for them. Let me tell you what intercession is not. Intercession is not you praying for someone. And you now see the person in church. It's like, baby, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. That car you just bought is because of my prayer. That's not intercession. That's not intercession. That's why in every intercessory group of a church, the people there must be discreet. It must not be people that run their mouth anyhow. The problem when people that can't control their mouth are in an intercessory group. But that's when they'll be going around. You know, they will even get to a point, they will think what is happening in that church is because of them. And Mrs. Alorofen, you don't understand. If you know the prayer we have been praying for you, that's not intercession. That's one is not intercession. Because you have received your reward. Intercession, the greatest intercession, is praying for people that may even never know that you prayed for them. And you will see the prayer answered. And that is enough satisfaction for you. Not that you now go and tell them, hmm, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And they are wondering, what's praise the Lord? You don't understand. But God is good. God is good. What do you want? What do you want? That's not intercession. The fulfillment, the answer, the, their turnaround is satisfaction for you. So we must intercede. For souls to be saved and established. Because that is the attribute of God. We must intercede for the growth of our local church. Growth in impact. Growth in influence. Growth in all areas. We must intercede for the establishment and expansion of God's kingdom on the earth. We must intercede for our leaders in government, in the workplace. We must intercede for those who labor over us. We must intercede. As I begin to round up this morning, I want us to rise up on our feet. We're going to intercede this morning. Every prayer we're going to pray this morning will be for somebody else, not for you. And I want you to watch what God will do in the remaining days of this year. And let me tell you another thing intercession is not. It is not you reducing your energy when it's time to pray for somebody else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or in your, with your mouth, you are praying for somebody else, but in your mind, ah, God, send to me first. <laughs> send to me first. No, 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 no. How many intercessors are here this morning? See, even if you don't want to be an intercessor, do it for selfish reasons. That the Lord turned around the captivity of Akitola Samuel when he prayed for his friends. Put your own name there. So even if you don't want to do it, do it for that purpose alone because it is a catalyst. Our first prayer this morning is Psalms 119 and verse 124. You are going to look for someone that you are not close to. Aha, that's intercession. Oh, but don't hold your husband or your wife. 
praying for yourself and don't look for a friend most likely look for someone there you don't talk to in church let's do that let's do that very quickly so that may require you leaving your seats someone you don't really talk to in church that's the person you are going to pray for this morning and you are going to pray to a passion you are going to pray to a strength Psalms 119 and verse 124 Psalms 119 and verse 124 the psalmist says deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me thy statutes our prayer this morning is this you are going to cry out saying father in the name of Jesus by your mercy let there be a turnaround in the life of my brother in the life of my sister whoever it is you are holding begin to pray for them the father in the name of Jesus by your mercy let there be a turnaround in the life of my sister in the remaining days of this year in every place where they are trusting you for a turnaround be it in their finances be it in their marriage be it on the job be it in the life of their child or children father let there be a turnaround let there be a turnaround in the remaining days of this year 2023 by your mercy oh god let there be a turnaround an undeniable turnaround a visible turnaround an enviable turnaround a turnaround that cannot be denied a turnaround that every eye will see a turnaround that every here will hear come and pray for that person pray for that brother pray for that sister intercede for them that in the remaining days of this year God will turn everything around in their favor and for their good in the name of Jesus by your mercy by your mercy by your mercy by your mercy let there be a turnaround in the life of my brother in the life of my sister in the name of Jesus in Jesus name we have prayed look for somebody else you don't talk to Psalms 126 and verse 1 to 3 Psalms 126 and verse 1 to 3 when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion he says we're like them that dream then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing the prayer this morning is this I'm going to pray for that person I'm going to say father in the name of Jesus in the remaining days of this year cause my brother to laugh in that area where they are shedding tears in that area where is a secret desire fill their mouth with laughter cause them to laugh in the remaining days of this year a turn around that will bring a laughter let that be their experience lift up your voice turn that into prayers oh fill the mouth of my brother the mouth of my sister with laughter in the remaining days of this year let there be a turn around in their life let this year 2023 not end when they are turning around testimony fill their mouth with laughter fill their mouth with singing fill their mouth with laughter cause them to laugh over that area of concern cause them to laugh in that area in that place 
where they are shedding secret tears. Oh, mark up Fill their mouth with laughter. Fill the mouth of my brother with laughter. Fill the tongue of my sister with singing. This year 2023 will not end without their turnaround testimony. In the name of Jesus. Fill their mouth with laughter. Fill their mouth with singing. Let this year 2023 no end without their turn around testimony. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. The last prayer for this morning, look for the third person. Look for the third person. Make sure it's someone you are not that close to. Probably you don't even know the person's name. Hallelujah. First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 21 to 22. First Chronicles chapter 12. The remaining days of this year, just watch it. There will be an unusual eruption of testimonies. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, and they helped David against the band of the rovers for they were all mighty men of valor and they were captains in the host for at that time day by day there came to David men to help him only it was a great host like the host of God the prayer this morning is this I'm going to say father in the name of Jesus oh this is the last prayer can we put more strength say father in the name of Jesus raise up help us for my brother for my sister in the remaining days of this year. Raise up helpers for my brother, for my sister in the remaining days of this year. Help us for that project. Raise up helpers concerning their dreams, concerning their vision, concerning their goals. Raise up helpers for my brother. Raise up helpers for my sister. Help us. Help us of destiny. Help us in business. Help us in career. Destiny help us. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Mashatala Bayanaba. Father, in the name of Jesus. Raise up help us. For my brother. Raise up help us. For my sister. In the name of Jesus. Every day, let help us arise for them. Every day, let help us arise for them. In the name of Jesus. In the remaining days of this year and beyond, they will not be stranded. They will not be disappointed. Helpers will arise when they need it. Where they need it. How they need it. In the name of Jesus. Let helpers arise. 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 For my brother. For my sister. Concerning their goals. Concerning their projects. Concerning their destiny. Let helpers arise. In the remaining days of this year. Let helpers arise, oh God. Helpers in high places. Helpers in high places. Helpers in high places. Let helpers arise for them, for my brother, for my sister, for their family. In the name of Jesus, let helpers arise, oh God. 
Let's begin to give thanks to God for answered prayers. Oh, give him the thanks. For this is the confidence we have in him. And anytime we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He can go back to your seats. And when he hears us, we know we have the petitions we have required of him. Oh, Father, we give you the thanks. Father, we give you the praise. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. The final prayer is this. There is anybody here this morning you don't have a relationship with Jesus. All eyes closed. All eyes bowed. You're here this morning. I want you to ask the person standing next to you, are you born again? No, ask the person on behalf of pastor. Say, pastor said I should ask you, are you born again? You're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. All eyes closed. This is a moment of seriousness. In God's equation, this is the most important part of the service. There's somebody here, you are not born again. Or maybe you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But maybe you've walked out on that relationship. And you're here this morning, you want to retrace your steps. We can all please be seated. So I can know the people I'm praying with. You're here this morning, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Can you please lift up your hands? This is not showmanship. I just want to know the people I'm praying with. You're here this morning. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You raising your hand will not boost myself a sin. But if Jesus comes today, will you be raptured? You're here this morning. You know you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you're saying, Pastor, I'm honest. If I meet God today, I'm not sure I will be on the right side. You're here this morning on site, online. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want you to repeat this after me. See, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And so I come to you today and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to the world to die for my sins. And on the third day, he rose again and is now seated at your right hand. Today, Jesus, son of the living God, come into my life. Come in today come in to stay. Wash me of my sins. Redeem me of my past. Give me a new future. From today, I renounce the life of sin. And I declare that I'm a new creature. I'm a child of God. I belong to God. Satan has no hold over my life anymore. Thank you, Father, for accepting me and for saving me. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone saying that prayer this morning on site online that these ones will be established in the faith all through the days of their life they will not be lost on the day of your return they will be found worthy found in the faith established rooted and grounded we give you the thanks and we give you the praise for in jesus name we have prayed and everybody say very big amen i will celebrate the lord jesus this morning